Welcome to this week's podcast from Free Chapel in Orange County. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information, check out our website at freechapel.org. Second Samuel, turn to somebody and say, I didn't come this morning. Second Samuel chapter 20 is where I want to go. Second Samuel chapter 20, I'm just going to preach for a few moments. I thought I was going to do an illustrated sermon. Then I found out when I got out of service that they've already showed that message on the screen. So I'm not doing that message. You missed that one. But uh, you're going to get this one, and it's, it's a good one too. 2 Samuel chapter 20. 2 Samuel chapter 20. I don't even know when I'm preaching and where I'm preaching now. Because of technology, it really is amazing. I, I, don't, know, I don't know what they're showing at what campus where. I just get, show up and preach when they put a microphone in my hand. And, and here I go again. 2 Samuel chapter 20. A great story that I want to focus in on this service. I don't know what I'll be preaching in the next one, but it'll be good too. Second Samuel chapter 20, because the Word of God is good. Can you say amen? It's quick, it's alive, it's powerful. And there happened to be there a rebel whose name was Sheba, the son of Baruch, uh, Benjaminite, and he blew a trumpet and said some things about David that were very, very unhonoring. And verse 3, notice David came to his house and the king took ten women, his concubines that had been left to his keep in the house and he put them in seclusion. And they were shut up till the day of their death living in widowhood. One translation said in captivity. Now quickly go to verse 16. Then a wise woman, everybody say a wise woman cried out from the city, Hear, hear, please say to Joab, Come nearby that I may speak with you. And when he had come near to her, the woman said, Are you Joab? And he answered, I am. Then she said to him, Hear the words of your maid servant." And he answered, I am listening. Turn to a man near you and say, Finally, a man that will listen. <laughs> it is possible. Verse 18. So she spoke saying, there's a proverb of former times about this place that says they shall surely seek guidance at Abel. That's the name of the city they're in. And so they would end disputes. In other words, if you came with a problem or an issue and you came to Abel, the city of Abel, you would find answers. The end of the dispute was over. Verse 19, I am among the peaceable and faithful in Israel. You seek to destroy a city and a mother in Israel. It's an interesting phrase. A mother in Israel. Why would you swallow up the inheritance of the Lord? And Joab answered and said, Far be it, far be it from me that I should swallow up or destroy. That, that is not so, but a man from the mountains of Ephraim, Sheba, the son of Abikra by name, has raised his hand against the king, against David. Deliver him only. And I will depart from the city. So the woman said to Joab, <laughs> this is some woman, watch. Just, you just go outside and wait outside the wall. And watch, his head will be thrown over the wall. Then the woman in her wisdom went to all the people and they cut off the head of Sheba, the son of Bercha, or whatever his name is, and threw it out. What difference does it make? <laughs> right? I mean, he lost his head. It's over. He threw it out to Joab. 
I've pronounced it three different things, haven't I? It's hard. I'm just trying to stay away from an ugly word that when I look at it that don't look right. And I just want to, I want to stay safe. So let's keep moving. And he cut off, cut off the head of Sheba, the son of somebody. And, and he blew a trumpet and withdrew from the city, every man to his tent. So Joab returned to the king of Jerusalem. I'm having a hard time reading. I don't know what the deal is, but praise God. I want to talk to you for just a few moments on this amazing Old Testament story. And I want to call this sermon, Throw It Over the Wall. If I weren't so politically correct, I would call it throw the head over the wall. But I'm going to be sweet and I'm going to say just throw it over the wall. Throw it over the wall. Notice the first thing about the story. Number one, the Bible said there was a wise woman. Everybody say a wise woman. Have you ever thought about how that it would have been if God had sent three wise women to Bethlehem instead of three wise men? Number one, they would have got there three years earlier because they would have asked for directions. Number two, they would have cleaned up that stable with some Ajax and, and they would have actually helped Mary give birth to the baby instead of standing around doing nothing. And if it had been three wise women instead of three wise men, I guarantee you that they would have brought more appropriate gifts like pampers and formula instead of myrrh and frankincense. But anyhow... They were, she was called a wise woman. A wise woman. Actually, there are three kinds of women that are talked about in that one chapter. And this is not just a message to women, but I'm going to talk and focus and use terminology toward the women, but it, it applies to all groups, all genders here tonight. And there are only two. He made them male and female. This is not, this is going to be one of those nights, isn't it? I, I, here we go. Somebody else want to preach? I'll be glad to tag off. I, I feel like I'm going uphill. So here we go. But there are three types of women in this chapter. Number one, there's women who are held captive. The Bible talks about the ten concubines that were raped by Absalom in this chapter. And when David came home and found them, he, he, he put them in captivity and they stayed that way until they died in widowhood. Because of an act of shame and humiliation, they were raped by Absalom who uh, rebelled against his dad, took over the throne temporarily, and in an act of shame to his own father, raped these women. And now they're held in captivity the rest of their life. They speak of women in our time who are held captive. And the word captive means limited, restricted, held captive. Women who are captive, um, sometimes because of choices that they made, sometimes because of things that they had nothing to do with. But the enemy puts them in bars of captivity, not necessarily metal, but mental bars of captivity to hold, to restrict, to limit. They can't find a release from a hurt, from a bitterness, from a resentment, from the pain of the past, from depression, from fear, from intimidation. The phrase of captive women most often repeated is, I can't. They live in a cage of, I can't. 
They live in the cage of I can't, I can't, I can't get over it. I can't go forward. I can't achieve. I can't win. I can't uh, ever have joy in life and be right because of what has happened to me. There's captive women that the enemy wants to cripple and keep bound all of their life and they're represented in this chapter. And then there's a second group. There's a group of women who were comfortable. It talks about women who, who were pleasant and happy and peaceable. Everything was good. And so they are in a comfortable place. They're preoccupied with what they have. They're not bad. They just are into things. They're enjoying their life so much that they're not interested in spiritual or kingdom things and what's happening to their city. They don't care. As long as I have my comfort zone, as long as I have my cushion life, as long as I have my nice things, as long as everything's going good in my life, I'm good. I'm not going to get spiritual. I like how my life is and I'm all about comfort and ease and having a good time. So there's women that are held captive by something in their past that has imprisoned them. And then we have women in this story who are not interested, even though their city is under attack, even though their families are under attack, even though their future is under attack, they're oblivious to the warfare that's going on. All they care about is a comfortable life. A lot of people in Orange County, this would be the description of, of people. They're into, their, they're into the kingdom of thingdom instead of the kingdom of God. And it's all about my comfort and my life and my prestige and my, my image. And so they're in that comfort zone. And the, the, the number one phrase of people in the comfort place is, you know, the other group that were captive, their phrase was, I can't. But this group is, I don't care. I don't want to. I'm not interested. Just leave me alone. Let me have my comfortable life. But the people who make a difference in the kingdom of God are not the people who allow their past to hold them captive. And it's not the people who live so comfortably that they are un, they're unconcerned and un, uh, uh, in, plugged into the, the move and what God is doing in the kingdom concerning spiritual things about the attacks that are going on on people's lives and families. But it's the third group that I want to focus in on. There was a committed woman. She's called a wise woman. And she was willing to put everything that she had on the line because she saw something happening to her city. She saw something happening for her family and to her family and to her loved ones that so troubled her, that so moved her, that she began to change the whole situation. One wise woman turned the whole battle around because of her action that she took. David was king of Israel and his kingdom was in turmoil. Absalom, his own son, had led a rebellion and had run him out of town and now Absalom had been killed and David is coming back. And part of the children of Israel, the men of Israel are with him and the tribe of Judah comes and they're still having an argument in-house between each other. And it, it shocks David to find out that not everybody's with him. Let me tell you what will reveal who your true friends are. Trouble. 
If you want to know who your real friends are, don't, don't look for your real friends when you got lots of money and you're on top of the world. If you want to know who really loves you and who really cares about you, it's the people that are there when you lose it all and they could care and, and, and you don't have anything to offer them and they still are there and they're still loving you and they still care, care about you. The Bible put it like this, a friend loves at all times and a brother is born for adversity. You don't really know who your friends are till you get in a good uh, uh, season of adversity. And then you find out the people who join themselves to you. Mark those people. They're the ones you're called to and you're linked to. And he, he is shocked that the men of Judah oppose him. And they were one of the tribes. There were 12 tribes. And one of the tribes was saying, we don't want David back. And there's this argument. There's this division between Israel, the men of Israel and Judah. And when that happens, this evil guy by the name of Sheba has a second revolt. And he raises up a group and he says, I'm going to take the throne from David because I see that they're divided. And so he... he tries it, but David says to the same man that I preached on this morning, to one of his mighty men, Abishai, he says, I want you to go. And, to, and then he says to his general, Joab, he says, I want you two to go, and I want you to take Sheba out. He is more dangerous. David used these words. He is more dangerous to us than even Absalom in his revolt. Go take him down. And so they find him as he is running to a city for refuge by the name of Abel. And the Bible said the people in the city received him. They allowed him to come in. They shut the city up. They, they sealed the, the city off. They raised the bridges up, locked the gates, locked the doors. There was no way to get in. And so Joab takes battering rams, these huge logs, and, 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 and great, with great force, they begin to round the walls of the city, round the walls of the gates. Not just a few times, but this went on 24 hours a day, over and over and over. They're pounding and ramming the walls. And put yourself in the shoes of the inhabitants of that city as they're sitting down and at maybe at the lunch table and the walls are rattling and the all around, not just one side, but it's coming from every area. They're hitting every north, south, east, and west gate. They're ramming it with those ramming, those, those, those uh, large logs that are trying to tear into the walls and break into the gates. And Joab is after one thing. He's after one man. He's not after, he's not really out to destroy the city. He really doesn't want to hurt those people, but they're going to get hurt when the walls collapse and the cities and the homes and the families collapse. They're all going to pay a price because there's one rebel. The Bible called him a rebel in the city. And it's amazing that they're taking these battering rams and and, and, and it's, it's not just one area, but it's coming from every area. And you know, you're really under attack when it feels like the battering rams of life are hitting. Not just one area, but they're hitting in the finances and it's hitting in your marriage and it's hitting on the job and it's hitting here. That's when you know this is not just natural, normal things. I'm under a spiritual attack. This is coming from every direction. And what do you do? What do you do when, when battering rams, spiritually speaking, are coming against your 
home, against your finances, against your family, against your health. The battering rams of opposition, non-stop battering. It's day and night. It's day and night, week after week after week, until finally you feel like you can't take it anymore. What are you supposed to do? And suddenly a wise woman comes on the scene. And she stood up and she lifted her voice in defense of her city, in defense of her family, in defense of her own loved ones, in defense of her whole nation. She lifted her voice and the Bible called her a wise woman. She became, number one, a responsible woman. What do you mean by that? I mean that I'm sure that there were men because it was a male-dominated society who were in leadership, who were elders, who sat at the gates and made decisions and like they did in the Bible and made all the decisions. But they were not taking their place. They were not standing in that place of authority like they needed to. And rather than just sit back and let the whole uh, city and families be destroyed and devastated, she said, if they won't take responsibility... I will take responsibility. And she said, I'm going to stand up and speak up and I'm going to talk to this man with the battering rams who's trying to destroy our city. God, we need women who will take responsibility. Who are tired of waiting on everybody else to fix it. Everybody else to do it. But it was a wise woman who said, I can do something. I can take responsibility. And she said, hear me, Joab. I am a mother in Israel. Not a mother of my children. I am a leader. I am a mother in my nation. In other words, the problems that are coming against our family, the battering rams of hell that are hitting so hard, the only thing sometimes that can help them is this place needs the love of a mother. This place needs the protection of a mother's prayer. This place needs the intercession of a mother. She did not call herself a mother of her children. She said, I'm a mother of my nation. And if I get out and lift my voice in prayer and intercession on behalf of my nation and my people, I can make a difference. She took responsibility. I am a mother of Israel. She was a responsible woman. Don't you dare, women of God, think that you have to take a second seat, a back seat to anybody. If men won't do it, you do it. If men won't lead, you lead. And even if they do lead, you lead right beside them. Because God is saying you are responsible. Quit waiting on a, a prince on a white horse to come rescue you and say, I've got Jesus in me and I'm going to take response. I'm not a victim. I'm not going to be beat up and depressed, I'm going to get up and take responsibility and me and God can change things. Give God a praise and I'll move on. She was, she was secondly, I've only got three points, but she was secondly not only, only a responsible woman, but she was a respectful woman. She did what she did with great respect. She showed respect to Joab, who was a man of authority. 
She had respect for her dwelling place in her city. As a matter of fact, she said, Joab, let me tell you about this place. There's a proverb about our city that if you have questions and you come here, it's the end of the dispute. There will be no more questions because this place is a place where people get answers. And I see in this the mothers of Israel who are defending. It's a beautiful picture of the church. The church is the place where people come and find answers answers. Do you understand what an amazing place this is, Joab? Do you understand that if people are in disputes and marriages are being destroyed and people are bound with addictions and, and have no hope and are, are, are going through things that, that are so complicated that there's no human answer for, but they can come to this place and they can find answers because the problem solver is here. The one who can turn things around is here. The answers people need is here. The direction that people are looking for, it's here. Thank God for the church. Marriages can be put together right here. Addictions can be broken tonight right here. This is where you get answers, Joab. She had respect for the place. And she had respect for the leader. She spoke to him respectfully. Don't talk negative about your church. Don't talk negative about your leaders. She said, I am one of them that are peaceable and faithful. It's not enough to be faithful to God and faithful to the word and faithful to come to church. I want to ask all of the women and all the men, are you peaceable and faithful? Because we're supposed to be peaceable. A soft answer, ladies, turns away wrath. Are you peaceable? Do you have a peaceable spirit? Are, are you, blessed are the, the, the peacemakers, not the troublemakers. Are you peaceable? Do you, do you calm the situation with your presence? Are you like gasoline on the fire? She said, I'm faithful, but I'm peaceable. It's powerful when a woman becomes peaceable and faithful. That's a rare combination. And she said, you don't understand, sir. I love this place and I respect you. And I'm asking you on behalf of my family and my city to not tear it down with your battering rams. She was so very respectful. You know, I, I, when I think of respect, I think of Sarah in the Bible. How the, the Bible said that she said of Abraham, she called him Lord. He was her husband, and she called him Lord. I'm still waiting on Sharice to call me Lord. <laughs> Lord Jensen. Now, 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 this is a big deal because he was far from perfect. But she never lost respect for him. He lied and said, she's my sister, and let a king take her. On another occasion, he went and fought for his nephew and took 318 men. His nephew was kidnapped, named Lot, and he went and rescued him from the kidnappers. But when his own wife got kidnapped, he didn't say one word. And she knew this about him. And she watched him as a coward as she was being taken away by an evil king. And God spoke up for her and scared the king to death. And he almost had a heart attack and said, get out of here. God woke him up in a dream, but Abraham was content to do nothing. In other words, that seems like to me she shouldn't have had a lot of respect for him. But notice what God, God notices your spirit. Are you peaceable? Are you respectful? 
Are you still respectful? Do you still show respect to authority in your life? It's a powerful thing. It's a powerful thing in God's eyes. She called him Lord, not Lord, Lord. She was a responsible woman. Secondly, she was a respectful woman. This is a powerful woman. This is, a wise, this is what the Bible calls a wise woman. She was responsible. She said when, 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 when chaos hit her life, she didn't say, uh, she didn't fall to pieces. She didn't go, she didn't say somebody needs to do something. She said, I'm responsible. I'm taking, I'm not going to be a victim. I'm going to take control of my life. Not only that, but she kept a respectful spirit. She did not usurp. She showed great honor and respect. Thirdly, she was a ruthless woman in a good way. Watch this. She said, why are you destroying my city, Joab? He said, I don't want to destroy your city. You've just got one rebel in your city. There's a little bit of rebellion in your city. And all I'm doing, I'm, all the battering rams that are not shaking your town up, it, it's not about any, I don't, I'm not against you. I wish you well. I want the rebellion out. And sometimes we think when we come to church and the preacher gets up and preaches that, 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 that he's trying to level our whole life. And God's not doing that with his word. He's just, he sees a little bit of rebellion in your life in some area that you are not obeying the word of God. And he says, I, I love you too much to let that rebellion in there. And I'm going to, if, if you will, if you will, if you will throw its head over the wall, the battering rams will quit. If you will deal with that issue that in your life that, that, that you keep wanting to give harbor to and give refuge to. See, the problem is we give too much sympathy to sin. We give too much sympathy to the devil. We give too much sympathy to rebellion and unforgiveness and bitter speaking and ugly spirits and attitudes. We give too much refuge to that. And God says, I don't want to destroy you. I want to build you up. But I want you to get that out of your life. And watch this ruthless woman. I like her because she shows us how we ought to deal with re rebellion in our lives. She goes in. And she says, you wait here and just look up in the sky toward the wall. And I'll tell you what my answer is. And she goes in and whack, she cuts Sheba's head off and throws it over the wall. And Joab blows a trumpet and says, battering rams, it's over. Let's go home. Rebellion is out of that city. What are you trying to say, Pastor? I love the fact that she wasn't too, scream, too schemish or squeamish or um, what's the word? Squeamish. She wasn't too squeamish. We, we, we're too kind to sin. We're too, we're too sympathetic to iniquity. Sin, rebellion, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. If you want the battering rams of hell to stop, throw it over the wall. Unforgiveness, get out. Oh, bitterness, lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes. Get out. Addiction, get out. Captivity, get out. I'm not going to live like that. I'm going to obey God and don't have sympathy on it. That's why she was a wise woman. Don't give harbor and give refuge to it. 
I thought of Judges chapter 4 of, a, of the story of a, another woman by the name of Jael who was a ruthless woman. And when an evil king named Sisera came into her town and he was weary, he was running from the Israelites because they were defeated his army. And, and he came into this little village and he went in the tent of this girl named Jael and he said, look, I'm the king and I'm going, I'm going to lay down here and you're going to fix me some food. And she fixed him some food. And, and, and she said, why don't you just lay down and go to sleep and I'll, I'll peep out the window and I'll make sure that if any of them are coming, I'll wake you up. And he said, okay. He thought she's just a little housewife. She can't harm me. I'm a powerful, mighty battle man. And he goes to sleep. And while he's sleeping, the Bible said that she took a tent peg and a hammer. And she put that... Y'all don't like... Y'all to read the Bible. It's better than any action movie. I mean, you think Mission Impossible something. You ought to see this. She, she put the spike on his brain while he's sleeping and hammered it into his skull and killed the enemy of Israel with kitchen utensils. No sympathy for the devil. The devil comes in my house. A wise woman says, I don't put up with that. Your head's going over the wall. I don't put up with that stuff in my house. I don't put up with the devil trying to kill, steal, and destroy. I'm going to throw it over the wall. Come on, somebody. you got to throw it over the wall if you want victory in your home. I thought about one more ruthless woman by the name. There, there was an evil king in Judges chapter 9 by the name of Abimelech. Listen to this story. This is a Bible story. And Abimelech got too close to a ruthless woman. Let me tell you what this evil guy did. He was a killer, a ruthless, brutal killer. And he rode into one city and killed all the men and then rounded up all the women and the children. They, he put them in a tower. He then went to a tree. Everybody say a tree. And he cut the branches off of the tree to build a bonfire at the bottom of the tower. And he lit it on fire and burned, burned the children and the women up alive. And laughed and rode off to the next city in Israel to do the same. But he walked into the second city and he killed all the men. And Abimelech then rounded up the women. They had a tower. Put the women and the children in there. Went to a tree. Everybody say a tree. Cut the limbs off. Built a bonfire. Walked over and started to light the bonfire. And when he did, the Bible said there was a woman up in that tower. Who looked down and saw him. And the Bible said she picked up a millstone. I looked up the word millstone. It said it was a rather large, heavy stone, which means she was a woman with muscles. God give us women with muscles. <laughs> Spiritual muscles. She picked a rock up. I like this. Nobody else is going to do anything. I'm going to be responsible. I'm going to be respectful. But, if you know, it's time to get ruthless. And, and he walks over and she does, he doesn't see her and she takes that stone and she throws it over the tower and it hits this mighty king named Abimelech in the head and wounds him so bad that they drag him off and he's dying and he says to his armor bearer, stab me in the heart. And he says, why, sir? He said, I'm going to die and I don't want it said that I was slain by a woman. That's in your Bible. I hope I'm not giving any of you ladies ideas on. 
But listen to it. Now, here's the beauty of this. Watch this. Satan used a woman, Eve, the the tree of good and evil, the tree. Everybody say the tree. In the Garden of Eden, the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And he used Eve to first seduce. And then she seduced Adam. And together they partook of the forbidden fruit. And the tree brought death, the first tree. But then he said through a prophecy, her seed, that same woman that you used to bring death and destruction through a tree, her seed is going to crush your head, Satan. The second tree represents a tree called Calvary. And it represents a woman named Mary who had a stone. He's called the Rock of Ages. And when she hurled that stone at Satan, it crushed his head on the cross, the second tree. Oh, come on, somebody. And a ruthless woman won the victory. What I'm saying to you is it's time to silence the intimidator. Throw the head over the wall. We don't have to let the enemy have our homes. And the word Sheba means captivity. In other words, throw captivity over the wall. Throw offense over the wall. Throw anything that's unlike Christ, rebellion in your life. Throw it over the wall tonight. Throw addiction over the wall tonight. Say, I'm done with it, God. I'm not going to have sympathy on it. I want it out of my life. I'm not going to let the enemy have my family. And if you'll throw it over the wall, God will say to the battering rams of hell, back off. That's holy ground. That's my child. And I close with this. Throw old habits over the wall. Throw old ways over the wall. Throw old thoughts, patterns over the wall. The Bible said Jesus took captivity captive in Ephesians 4. You can take captivity captive. You can take your captive. You can take captive your captivity. And you can throw its head over the wall. Say, my body, my family, my home belongs to Jesus Christ. And I'm not going to give it to you. You're going over the wall. Matthew 11 and 12 said, The kingdom of heaven suffereth violence. And the violent take it by force. Not physical violence. Spiritually, we get violent with rebellion in our lives. Anything that is not like Jesus. And we say, I'm throwing it over the wall. You don't have to be defeated, but you have to take responsibility. If you've got an addiction problem, it's time to take responsibility. And our wonderful friends from the Dream Center that are here tonight, the Lord, the Lord, it keeps bringing you to this church so you can take responsibility. Quit saying that this happened to me. And and if the enemy's had you in a cage of captivity, a cage of I can't, he's a liar and you're coming out tonight. Keep a peaceable, respectful spirit. But get ruthless with sin. Have no sympathy with iniquity and the unfruitful works of darkness. Have no sympathy with it. Throw it over the wall. Throw its head over the wall. And say, I'm done with that. I belong to the king. I want the king to be pleased with this city. 
Go report back to the king that we've thrown some rebellion out of our house. And tonight, this city and this house and this family belongs to the king. That's all he's looking for. How many of you would love to throw some things, just throw it over the wall? Come on, let me see your hand. How many of you got stuff that you'd like to just throw over the wall? How long are you going to carry that stuff around? How long, how long are you going to, to, to go with it and let that thing rob you and captivate you and bind you? You can play, son. Glory. I feel like that. I, I said it in the second service. I sense it right now. I really do. When a preacher preaches a sermon like this, if you respond in faith, you can cut the, the head. 1 Corinthians 11 is a whole chapter about the head. It says, that what, you know, the husband is the head of the wife. The wife is the head of the children. Da, da, da. It goes on and on and on. The government, the head. It all talks about authority. And when it talks about throwing the head over the wall, it's saying that thing no longer has authority over you. Throw its authority over the wall. And here's what I feel. I mentioned it in the second service. I feel like that if people will respond in faith to this message, addictions are going to break. Cages of I can't. Captive, captivity is going to be taken captive. You're going to capture your captivity and throw its head over the wall. And the Lord says, when you do, I'm going to send a gully washer of my Holy Spirit. And a gully washer is like a, 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 a drenching rain that causes ditches to come where there were no ditches. And suddenly the rain starts cascading into a river and it washes out all the uncleanness. How many of you are ready tonight to throw it? I don't know what your it is, but throw it over the wall. It's over. I'm done with it. It's getting out of my life. It, the bitterness, the unforgiveness, the anger... The evil speaking, I'm throwing it over the wall. Hallelujah. Stand to your feet, please, all over this room. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're in this room tonight and you would say, Pastor Jensen, I would love to come out of the cage of captivity. I want, to, I want to say throw comfort's head over the wall. Complacency's head over the wall. God wants to use you. God wants to do something beyond your wildest. God wants to use every person under the sound of my voice in magnificent ways. And He's just waiting on you. Tonight's your night. You're not here by accident. This is for you. And if you're in this room and you would say, Pastor... I know there's things in my life that are not pleasing to God. I know I'm not right with God. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We hope you are blessed.